And welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 602. And I'm here once again, not only to help you have the best possible vacation experience when you go to the Disney parks, but I also want to bring you some of that Disney magic wherever you are with the podcast, my live videos on Facebook every Wednesday night, blog, special events, books, audio tours, and more. Whether it's your first time visiting or you've been hundreds of times, if you're planning a vacation or just love the history, details, secrets, and stories, there's something in the show for you because each week I'm going to take you from the parks to the screens and everything in between. If you're a new listener, thank you. Welcome. I sincerely appreciate you being here. Please go back and check out some or all the past episodes for interviews, top tens, reviews, and more. You can subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts and find everything else at www.radio.com. This week, we're going to continue our journey and tour through the music of Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World. We'll virtually wander our way through Liberty Square to Fantasyland, Storybook Circus, and Tomorrowland. We'll then look at music from nighttime spectaculars and parades, both current and extinct. And along the way, we'll discuss the background and theme music, stories, creators, fun facts, and personal memories, and then I'll ask you to share some of your favorite memories and music as well. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win an all-new Disney prize package. Then stay tuned to the end of the show for more information, updates, your voicemails, and more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. So I want to move to a place where maybe you can't sing along quite as well as you could in Frontierland. And it's Liberty Square, where, again, the background music is critical in in establishing time and place, setting, and and really story. Uh, And I think it maybe even is, is more so important here because of what this land represents and it's it's interesting because the music here has actually changed over time while many of the other lands other than maybe Tomorrowland the the music has remained pretty constant since Walt Disney World opened in 1971 it it has changed um, a little bit here now much of it was heard and and 
performed in, in colonial times and, and was written before and maybe even during the revolution. So it, it has a number of different origins from it as well. There's a lot of different ballads and, and folk songs and stuff here. And for, for many, many years, uh, up until uh, about 2010, uh, all of the music that was performed and heard throughout the land was recorded only using instruments that were available during the colonial period. So talk about the the importance of details. Again, everything speaks. So they want to ensure absolute authenticity using only those instruments. It was wonderful to go and listen. And when you had that bit of information in your mind and you would listen and sort of stand in Liberty Square and just sort of pay attention, you could hear the violins and the fiddles and the brass instruments and the recorders and the fifes and the flutes that were prevalent during that time. But in, again, I think it was about 2010 or so, um, the traditional music, and we'll talk about what some of those songs were, it actually changed to um, more patriotic songs. And I think ones that maybe were and are more familiar um, to contemporary guests, but I think still sort of e- evoke those same types of of sentiments, and cer- certainly still help to establish the the same type of of atmosphere that that's so important there. So they added in things like "America the Beautiful" that were non-existent when the Revolutionary War took place. Right, right. So a lot of songs that that you might not have heard that were sort of more, you know, you you would hear Greensleeves um, and In These Delightful Pleasant Groves as opposed to songs that are more um, uh, things you heard uh, later yeah. on, like the, the Battle Cry of Freedom and, and the Recruiting Star, Glory, Hallelujah. Um, so it, it's even the feel and the tempo of the music is is very, very different. I did not know that. Thank you, Lou. Uh, yeah, I didn't know I in really, 2010 they changed yeah, it either. Yeah. Yeah. Right, because it was right after I released my audio tour to Liberty Square. So everything, <laughs> <Did it> change? <laughs> <laughs> everything that I said was completely wrong. And was, um, but it, it's interesting. And you can go and you can find uh, online some of the old and, and newer ones. And they were performed by, you know, brass brands and, and wind ensembles. Um, I know the Eastman Wind Ensemble and the Chestnut Brass Company were two of the groups that performed a lot of the music. Um, and I think if you still go to Liberty Tree Tavern, you can hear, you can still yeah. hear some of that music there. Um, I know Greensleeves, I believe, is still performed there. How great is the pleasure? Um there's a few others uh, as well that normally would have sort of bled out into the land, but not as much now. And and, and I get it. Um, there is a sort of a little bit more of an upbeat, patriotic feel to the music in Liberty Square now, um, which which also makes sense, right? Because the revolutionary time period was full of a lot of that sense of patriotism and right. and energy in terms of creating this new nation. Sure, sure. And I, 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 for me, I'll be honest with you, Liberty Square, and, and I don't know if it's because the land is, uh, you know, the land is smaller 
than uh, the other lands. Um, well, it seems smaller to me, let's put it that way. And then you have that weird house in the corner there that, that kind of stands on its own. Um, that I don't really, you know, I, I obviously you hear the change in the music and and for lack of a better word, I, I always would call it the, the fife and drum to kind of, again, get you back into that that period that as you're walking in it uh, to, along with the architecture and all that. Um, but for, for me, the Liberty Square background music has always, I, I haven't dwelled into it as much as, as, as I probably should have paid more attention to it. So I actually learned a lot there. Thank you again. Well, Dave, Master if you want Mangello. to learn even more, you can find out more and hear some of that background music on the audio tour. Of Liberty. Uh, but of yeah. course not well, because I had the blessing of time to be able to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's yeah, a yeah, snapshot yeah. in time. It is a snapshot yeah, yeah, in time, but, yeah. but it's interesting to hear and to, to look at the music um, from pre 2020, pre 2010 to uh -huh. what it is today. Right. So you have, more of like the wind instruments that were much softer and lighter to now there's a lot more percussion and brass that's a little bit more um maybe a little bit more upbeat um, especially some of the songs you could hear that were composed during uh civil war era and, and things like that um how, how does the music marches. how does the music in liberty square compare with uh, the American, American adventure, adventure or, or, or the American pavilion as far as because I know there's a fife and drum uh, live act over in Epcot is it would you call that more pre-2010 it's over in Epcot or I think it's or, more I think it's more in alignment with what you'll hear in, in Liberty Square now um, now okay yeah right. I, and I, it's funny when you said that the fife and drum I, I thought about the fife and drum corps that that performs in in a near American adventure in uh, um, Epcot. And it made me think about the Sons and Daughters of Liberty live show show performance that would take place in Liberty Square where a fife and drum sort of processional would come out and they would actually um, uh, anoint a, a, a boy and a girl, a son and daughter of Liberty. Um, every day oh. and you'd get a scroll and you'd get a coin again like never got called on romper room i never got called I, I was never son and daughter of liberty it's one of the things that still scars me all these years later but it was really neat because it was not only just a wonderful performance that was interactive and, and got not just parents but kids involved but maybe even got them interested too i think liberty square much like frontierland is just replete with incredible learning opportunities. And yeah. I used to give tours of Magic Kingdom. I used to give, you know, personal guided tours. And I would actually spend a lot of time in Liberty Square because a lot of people don't spend a lot of time in Liberty Square because there's so many little details that have such fascinating stories grounded in real American history. I will tell you, I learned more about American history from researching my Liberty Square audio tour than I probably learned in school. Sorry, teachers in grammar school and high school, but it's true because it's there and it's authentic. And, and again, everything speaks. And whether it's, you know, uh, whether there's, and there's there's so many things that that are sort of tucked away that are almost throwaways but have great stories there's over by where the uh, hall of presidents building meets up to the back of the columbia harbor house there is this um it looks like a brass plaque of these intertwined hands that 
99.9% of the guests might never see, or if they do, they walk by it. But there's a meaning to it, and there's a there's an important part of American history in terms of its origins and where it came from that ties into the story of Liberty Square. A lot of people know of the Minuteman rifles or the one if by land, two if by sea, but you might not notice some of those other things there. And I think the music, too, is all part of that connective tissue of storytelling, which is so important. And again, Liberty Square is so much more than the sort of, quote unquote, the three main attractions that are there, certainly um, than just the Haunted Mansion. Which it, it is your audio tours. I I have learned so much more from Disney than I ever did in high school. So, yeah, <laughs> apologies there because I'm actually Facebook friends with some of those teachers I had. But anyway, um, yeah, your audio tour uh, took us uh, to a different place. Uh, we planned a northeastern fall leaf changing tour uh, in 2018. And I had just listened to the audio tour of Liberty Square, and I was like, say, Andy, how far is Concord from Boston? Yeah, I'm not good at geography. Um, he's like, <laughs> not, not very far. I was like, we got to go, because <laughs> saying it in the opposite direction of how it should be said, they got a bridge up there in Concord that matches the one at Disney World <laughs> Liberty Square. <laughs> Not the one in the really really to, <laughs> to match the one in the shot heard around the world. But yeah, it was. if it weren't for you, I would have never known that and wouldn't have made us go to Concord and get another history lesson. See? I've always said, I was like, look, I, I, you know, I think, you know, as somebody who was, who was taken out of school sometimes, you know, I would miss a few days here and there to travel with my family because we drove everywhere. Um, you know, there are learning opportunities. And I said, look, Liberty Square is a great way to justify taking your, your grade schooler out because he or she can learn a lot um, while they are there about uh, American history. But look, we would be remiss if we did not go over to the 800-pound, you know, mansion yeah. in, in in the room. Um, I am not going to – I am not going to mince words. I, I think Grim Grinning Ghosts – uh, may or may not be my all-time favorite theme park song, although the theme from Mystic Manor comes in a close second. But anyway, I, I, don't, I mean to dig- I digress. It, it's a Buddy Baker, Exitensio song yeah. again. Yeah. I don't want to steal anything from you guys, so I'm going to let you talk about Haunted Mansion and Grim Grinning Ghosts first, and then I'll try and fill in uh, any additional blanks. So, please. Uh- Uh, um, you know I I thought it might not be popular because I thought they're both going to say they love Grim Grin and Ghost more than any other song and that's not my number one but I do love it Um, it's my daughter's favorite favorite part theme song from any part Um, how it sets the mood I mean I have these recordings of outtakes that Paul Fries did of different laughs and the different oh I love those I, have it so I, I mean, love that I love 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 that and just every, every part of it and it never gets old and the the singing bus actually I am one of those few weirdos that loved the movie Haunted Mansion so when they take the singing bus with them on the trip to the lake and they're just singing in the back of the car 
anyway, <clears throat> I love Rembrandt and Ghost, but I, I know David has a lot to say on this, so I'm going to let him go. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if I can add that much. Um, it is, so obviously it is an, uh, one of the classics, if not the most famous. Eight notes. It's eight notes. <laughs> it's simply eight notes. And it's amazing what they've done with those eight notes. You um, from the moment you get into the queue to the stretching rooms and start going through some of the earlier rooms until you fall backwards, which I didn't know you fell backwards until I listened to an audio tour one day. <laughs> um, and then the tempo picks up and you've got the singing um, the singing ghosts and all that kind of, it is it is just a, a masterpiece if I can you know and and like you like you said uh, two legends uh, Buddy Baker Exitencio you know this is why they're legends right this type of work is why they become legends um, it's a song that transcends the, the theme park it's a song that you remember almost all the time um you know i remember listening to uh, a disney cd music from the parks where they had whoever the popular artists of the day were and the bare naked ladies did a a cover <laughs> of that and it was one of the greatest covers of grim gringos there was um it, it, i don't know how much more i could add it because from the from the original melodies to the the arrangements and the different ways they score it it is it is so good it is so good i wish i could speak more eloquently on it but uh, listen i can hey. I, I think it is brilliant in not just to your point dave in its simplicity but brilliant in its ability to tell multiple stories with it's the only song you hear through the attraction and you feel like you've heard five different pieces of music one little asterisk caveat you do hear a few notes of here comes the bride and the attic scene but I don't necessarily count that but how the arrangement progresses from it being something very scary and dark and eerie uh, in the in right, the, in very, the library and then it yeah. gets louder and and faster yeah. And bolder as you go to the dining room, and then all of a sudden it's this very sort of whimsical, fanciful party-like atmosphere in the graveyard scene. Yep, it's yep. just, it is spectacular in in just how simple that it is. And do you know? Did you know that you probably would not have had a song like this had it not been for? Pirates of the Caribbean because the reason why is because X had done the lyrics for Pirates and because the song was so popular and it was so closely associated with that attraction X and Baker were sort of tasked with we need that we need that again here so Baker you do what you did over at Lincoln and Carousel of Progress and X, you take what you whatever sort of magic you did over there and you bring that to the Haunted Mansion. However, do you know 
that the inspiration did not necessarily come from something that was contemporary, but from William Shakespeare. Foolish mortals and grim-grinning ghosts are actually lines taken from Shakespeare. So in A Midsummer Night's Dream, Puck exclaims, Lord, what fools these mortals be. That's my dramatic reading of it, by the way. In Venus and Adonis, Shakespeare refers to death as a grim-grinning ghost. Grim-grinning ghost, earth's worm, what dost thou mean? Oh, see, now you should have said it in James Mason's voice. Well, then nobody we have. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not getting him to sing along. We no, you will not that. get me to sing. Um, but, wow, but I, want, I did not know that. Yeah. And look, speaking that of singing, Thurl Ravenscroft um, yeah. did sort of the, the baritone for the track. And you've heard him in a million places from Jungle Book and Peace Dragon to Sword in the Stone. And it, the list goes on and on. And and his quartet, the Mellow Men. Flakes. He was Tony the Tiger, right? I'm not going to do my throw Ravenscroft attraction, but um, <laughs> the Mellow Men did the harmony there. And you've again, you've heard the Mellow Men in the places Men, like yeah. Peter Pan and Jungle Book and Alice yeah, in Wonderland. Yeah. And um, actually, the grim, the 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 singing busts are sort of really meant to be sort of the the mellow man and, and Thor Ravenscroft is actually one of the singing busts. Uh, Uncle Theodore is is that broken bust near the end and he is uh, meant to to be um Thor Ravenscroft. Um so it's again I I could wax poetic about the music and what it means and again how Look, you know you've really made it when the Bare Naked Ladies does a cover of, of your song, <laughs> but maybe that's a bit of a low life. But uh, it, it is, and I think it's you know when, when we talk at the end because I want to ask you some of our favorite ones. Uh, Grim grinning ghost for me is really really hard to top. Certainly in in Magic Kingdom. Yeah, yeah. I like I said, I don't. Well, we'll find out at the end. Um, it is certainly in a top three for me. Be sure to bring your death certificate if you decide to join us. Make final arrangements now. We've been dying to have you. So let's um, let's move on to Fantasyland. Um, and again, when <laughs> I get listen, transitions get me excited, right? They they really do. And, and normally, I would sort of do this the opposite way. Like I would like to go from Fantasyland to Liberty Square because what you're really doing is is as you're walking from Fantasyland to Liberty Square, you are really going from the old world to the new you are you are crossing the vast ocean and going forward in time and and if you really pay close attention and again that that portal where it darkens and then lightens again as you are are passing through place and time you hear those colonial era fife and drums again going the opposite way transitioning to you know these german folk songs um and it's it's again done so seamlessly you don't necessarily notice that it's happening until 
it actually happens. And one of the things I, I love about Fantasyland is it is it's such a pure Walt and Walt Disney creation, right? I think it, it for a, to a certain degree, it was very much almost the impetus for creating Disneyland and sort of grounding it in those familiar stories and then obviously translating it over to Walt Disney World. But it also is for, I, I think if you break it down this way, it's a lot of like little mini lands in one. And if you look at it that way, not only from the architecture, but in terms of what we're talking about now in terms of the music, the music changes depending on where you are, whether you're in that Bavarian village, if you're by the carousel, the Mad Tea Party, if you're in New Fantasyland, if you go to the Tangled Restrooms, if you're in you know the back of New Fantasyland and then over to Storybook Circus, the music there is very, very different. And while you don't necessarily go through any portals per se, there there is audible transitions that take place in terms of what you hear, but not necessarily about how you feel because everything is so light and bright and whimsical and upbeat. And so I turn to you, my friends, to share your thoughts on Fantasyland, both BGM, background music, as well as attraction songs. There you I'm, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm headed straight to an attraction. And yes, I, I have tons of admiration for Grim Grinning Ghosts and Pirate's Life. But if it's not my number one, it's my number two. It's a small world. Yep. And when you watch uh, the brothers the sherman brothers story um and he talks about well that's you know it's not supposed to be just an earworm it was a prayer for peace for the world i was like oh and i i don't get sick of it i love that song i absolutely love that song in all the languages my my only problem with it's a small world is i hold my arm up in the air and they still have not said goodbye terry (laughs) That's okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm here. Hello, hello. It's okay. Last time I was there, it said goodbye, Matthew. Whatever. <laughs> That's my son's name. But um, no, it's a small world, and I cannot take enough pictures of that ride. It's been there since the beginning, and it hasn't changed that much. So I don't know why I'm taking those. I'm taking those Hawaiian girls every time I go by. I love that song. I love the message of both verses. It's just, it's perfection. And I love the Sherman Brothers. It is a, uh, we, 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 at least I mentioned it a couple times. It's another well, extremely well-crafted song. Chord-wise, it's it, it, melodically the two things just fit together as you're going from one room to another room and and uh, it, it's so well done and I, I, I Terry you, you brought it up but the first time that I think it was the first time Lou had Mitchell Sherman on the on the show and he talked it was talking about small world and he said you know we we think of it as a prayer for peace 
think what you think of what's going on in the world today and how people are mistreating each other and terrible things are happening, it's a good thing to think about the fact that it's a small world, let's not kill each other, you know? It's a world of laughter, a world of tears. It's a world of hopes and a world of fears. There's so much that we share that it's time we're aware. It's a small world. After all, there is just one moon and one golden sun. And a smile means friendship to everyone. Though the mountains divide and the oceans are wide, it's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. When I did my sketches CD, I have Small World on it, and I made it like a gospel piece because of that, you know, and I, I took a twist on that. Um, but the way that that song, I know people go crazy over it and they're sick of it and blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. I, I don't care. It's the, the, the things that we talked about with Grim Grooming Ghosts and its simplicity and how it, well it works, you have to say the same things for Small World. You have to. Um, you, it's just as well crafted. It is so simple, but so complex on how they inter, uh, you know, the verses and the chorus overlap each other. It's, it's, and it is a, an attraction that, that I have to do every time. And like you said, Terry, even though it never changes, um, I have to do it every time. It, it, for me, it's not, there's, there's other attractions in Fantasyland that for me are no more nostalgic. But the small world is definitely one of the, and again, this is a, a, like I said before, this is a song from attraction that transcends the, the theme parks as, as far as I'm concerned. As I don't want to be blasphemous, but um, I would be opposed to them adding some IPs like they did in Disneyland. So, oh, in terms of, of character dolls from, from, yeah. Yeah. from, from I don't have a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, according to um, according to Robert Sherman, who's who's Robert Sherman's son, um, uh, according to him, this is the most performed and translated piece of music in the world. Um, and, and yes, yes. In terms of of the creation of the song itself, I would never presume to try and and retell or convey the story that the man who wrote the song told himself uh, back on show eighty. But this idea of this, like you said, this, this song that could be easily translated. And again, you know, much like we talked about the similar threads between here and Grim Grinning Ghosts, it was this simple song that was memorable and singable that was sung and presented to Walt as a ballad. He said he wanted a little bit more upbeat and cheerful. So they're able to simply speed up the tempo, sing it a little bit differently in counterpoint. And all of a sudden, this children of the world attraction became the name of the song. I mean, it's a small world became the name of the attraction itself, um, which I think is just a testament to how powerful it is. And again, sort of transcending the theme parks into popular culture. Uh, I mean, everybody knows love it or otherwise 
everybody knows um, it's a small world, but. Um, I mean, it's in Lion King. Come on. You know? Well, I was going to say, Scar <laughs> is a bad guy. Let's just remember that. But it doesn't he's mean the one he's who's, a bad who guy. A bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, is there other music for you in in again? So as we're sort of walking through, so let so we can sort of even you know we'll we'll walk we'll sort of virtually walk through with you know as we uh, as we enter from where we are we have well I, look I think we have to sort of mention the tangled restroom area right as as we start to move into this medieval um, fair that's going on. There's a lot of um, woodwind instruments. There's a lot of guitar as you start to go into this Bavarian village where you've got, you know, Peter Pan's flight. And, you know, you can see these sort of um, these fair tents that are that make up the facades as well as the timber framed cottage of um, Pinocchio Village House really sort of gives you a sense that you're in this German village. And there's a lot of that Bavarian folk style music that's there that sort of used to go all the way out to um, Snow White's Scary Adventures, but now starts to transition as you pass the carousel and then move into New Fantasyland and then many adventures of, of Winnie the Pooh. So in this Bavarian village area, again, you've got that folk-style music. Certainly, if we're going to talk about attraction theme songs, you know I'm a Peter Pan guy. Um, you Can Fly, Second Star to the Right, just are meaningful to me for so many different ways. Dave Rashoni, I still have on my wall the thing that you gave me about why Peter Pan is the greatest character in Disney history um, and the music from the film, which is is arguably still my favorite animated film, um, is is just wonderful. And some of my favorite attraction music uh, anywhere in the park. You you take it, David. Um, I hear Ash... Howard Ashman and Alan Minkin knocking on the door, so I'm gonna let them in in a minute. So you, you go ahead with Peter Pan's flight. Okay. I'll wait my turn. <laughs> okay, so I think Fantasyland for me, uh, outside of what we just talked about, the small world, um, all the attractions for me are kind of in the same boat. Um, I would have to say, and I'm kind of just scrolling through my notes here, that. Fantasyland is the one land that has the most attractions that are built off of previous films, right? You, Peter Pan, um, Little Mermaid, Dumbo. And what I love about that is the scores from each of those films are obviously interwoven with the attractions. So because, and, and it, for me, it's, it's the nostalgia. It's the, I love Disney because... Uh, you know, growing up, we didn't visit Disney a lot. Uh, like I said, our, our family did, but we saw movies a lot. And I, from those movies, I connected with the music a lot. So where some people were collecting storybooks, you know, of the films with the real little records and all that, you know, remember the, mm-hmm. the old, yep. you know, storybooks with the 45 or whatever it was, right? Yep. Okay. I have, I have, I have songbooks. Uh, illustrated songbooks, you know, so I've, uh, I've attached myself. So 
Fantasyland becomes one huge nostalgia ride for me. You know, whether we're, well, I can't fit in Dumbo anymore, but that's besides the point. Um, Mad Tea Party, Winnie the Pooh, uh, all that. Um, and of course, my um, absolute love of Peter Pan's flight, which my wife goes, Why do we run that? It's so old. And there's, <laughs> I go, Because it's my favorite old time movie. That's why we're doing it. <laughs> Um, but you're right, Lou, the scores for each one of those films are classic, and it just brings back some really wonderful old memories for me to be kind of immersed with each of those scores on each time we get into those rides. That's kind of what, I, and of course, Philharmonic is one of my favorites, too, because of the the later classics, if you will. I'm not sure how we categorize those anymore now, but... Um, right, it's, sort of, it's sort of like a, a recent best of the best yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, maybe when Howard Ashman and, and uh, when Terry has her guests come in, they could speak to that side of it. But um, <laughs> but I, that's that's my overlining films. And and like you said, Lou, the and like we've said, uh, you know, over and over, over the the background music just just keeps you in that mood, in that zone, if you will, all the time that you're in that land. So okay. Um... Okay, uh, well, where I, w- I was, I was going to jump right over to um, Bill's area there, and also be well. Yeah, yeah I'm going to stay right there before I before I get to Ariel. <laughs> oh gosh! Um, wait, before you get to hold on, wait before you oh, wait, get to d- Bell because I get skipped. To Bell, okay, because you, you skipped the carousel, and I think the carousel. Oh, yeah. Bears mentioning. Oh, that yeah. is so true. I think the yeah, carousel you're absolutely right. bears mentioning because, again, yeah. it is the best of the best of the very, very best. Yeah. More yeah. importantly, the carousel, the Prince Charming Regal Carousel, take the, the music is adapted and adopted to feel like a carousel from, you know, 1917 when it was built. And it has this... It's it's sort of this calliope type music, but all familiar songs. When he wish upon a star, Alice, Chim Chim Cherry, Be Our Guest, So This Is Love, Bella Notte, Whole New World, Once Upon a Dream, Part of Your World. I mean, there's probably 25 or so songs in there. So you'll recognize Baby Mine and Feed the Birds and Someday My Prince Will Come and, and more recent songs like Gaston and Prince Ali but they're in this calliope music that you feel like has been playing in this attraction for the hundred years that it's been in existence and it's you know if you you might not ride the carousel all the time whether you're an adult or if you don't have kids or if you're an adult who's a kid at heart but if you just sort of stand there or maybe go you know try as I do to get that pull that sword from the stone um <sighs> And just listen to that music. I think it's some of the most unique and beautiful music anywhere in this park or any other. I can listen to the loop of that music many times. That many is true. times. It, yeah. That is completely nostalgic, even though they include the 90s. And... Well, that's nostalgic now, too, right? <laughs> yeah. I know. We all think that the 90s was like five, ten years ago. <laughs> I know. Oh, no. we're, living, we're living in the land of the 60s and 70s. Yeah, that's ancient history for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, the 90s is old. Okay, I'm ancient of days. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that, 
Carousel Music is, I love walking through there. It was very strange the last time I was there because it's just in July. And I took a picture of the little stroller area, which had a, a hole of three strollers in the entire bin it was that was so sad i'll be glad when it gets back to normal because that is a place that just part of the sound part of the music that you hear is the sound of children riding on that carousel so so move let's (laughs) let's move from the carousel uh we we can move to new fantasy land uh with enchanted tales with bell Go ahead, and you... I want to go straight there, but I will say Mickey's Philharmagic is basically the music that I'm about to cover. Okay, it's, Have it's all it. 90s. Go do your thing. <laughs> uh, Be Our Guest Restaurant is where I, I'm so glad that we are now in the place where we can talk about the Ashman Minkin songs because, and I mean, that's also fresh on my mind because of having just watched Howard two weeks ago. Um, be our, everything connected to Bell is very, very emotional to me. The music, most especially, that is uh, my daughter Amy's. That is that is her that is her movie. I mean, that is her favorite movie, and it is the movie most representative of her. Her her now husband, then boyfriend, got it right because he proposed to her in Be Our Guest Restaurant, and it was nice. He oh he he nailed it. I was so so proud of him. I was like yes. So um, but ev- everything everything that Ashman and Lincoln did. I mean that, that from be our guest restaurant, which is that was one of the most awe inspiring moments that I've had at Magic Kingdom that I can remember. Was the first time walking in there and walking in that main room and looking up at you know. It's one of those you live, um, you know, Lou talks about it. I haven't had the chance to go to Disneyland, but it's walking into the movie, right? Mm -hmm. It's walking into that ballroom. It's walking into the Beast's castle. It's just, it's amazing. Amazing. And then the score, right? Go ahead, Terry. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. I just, it, it is. It is the score. As much as it is anything in that whole area, they're going in. I, I'd love the music from Beauty and the Beast. Every yeah, single yeah. song. Oh yeah, yeah. We had a we, our 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 uh, church small group met tonight, and it I actually <laughs> worked in lyrics from the Mob song. Part of, it, like, of course, wow. You did. <laughs> She worked Disney into our small group. Okay, yeah, but it fit. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, you're right, Terry. I mean, I love me some Alan Menken. Like, you know, just you know, Richard Sherman, Alan Menken. Right? You know, we're how blessed we are to have their music define our childhoods and our you know adulthood. Um, and you know, for me, Alan Menken, not just the films, the stuff that he does on Broadway, um, he does a lot of scoring, which I don't know most people do. A lot of the films he does, he actually scores also. Um, he's just an amazing, um, we need to get him back on the show, Lou. Oh, like, like we, we need to get him back on the show. Oh. We, we need to listen. You need to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work on that, will you? <laughs> um, 
Um, but yeah, what what a what a what a um, string of mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, um, Aladdin. Oh, oh so, Howard. So I'm going to I'm going to you know sort of skip the obvious, right? Meaning okay. the the songs. Well, I mean for me, Enchanted Tales with Belle, Journey to of the Little Mermaid. You know, in terms of the iconic songs that are the the the, the, the titular and theme songs for those attractions. If you, I want you almost more to pay attention to the area music itself, and to a certain degree, a little bit of the lack thereof. Now, again, I'm only going to reference the audio tours because they did come out pre-New Fantasyland, so this area did not exist here. But I want you to, the next time you, you take a look at um, when you're in Magic Kingdom and you're in this area, um, or even if you look on, on Google Maps, you'll notice that behind the carousel and where Pinocchio Village House um, extends out, there is sort of the extension of the castle wall. And if you look down notice the ground the pavement changes color from that that burgundy red that faded burgundy red to gray from the inside to the outside of the castle wall and the reason why is because you are outside the castle keep and if you look at the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh up on the top, you'll see that there's an extension of those castle walls there making you feel as though you've left the confines of the castle keep, and now you are in sort of this fantasy land forest. And I think Disney deliberately not only toned down and turned down the music here, but almost has very little background music playing here because they want you to hear more of, of the sounds of of nature, right? So if you go by the beast castle for be our guest you'll hear the waterfall you'll hear the rustling stream you'll hear birds chirping same as if you go over by mine train especially in some of the corner areas where there's a lot of trees and greenery you'll hear a lot of natural sounds as you go back behind ariel's grotto and and even over by gaston's you hear the waterfall you hear the sort of nature sounds in the distance so there's almost less music playing to almost not cloud the sounds of of nature if that makes any sense until you start moving past ariel's grotto and get closer to um storybook circus where obviously the theme and the whimsy is sort of turned up to 11 but I, i the next time you're there i really want you to try and pay attention because there's no sort of delineated transition anywhere unless you use the ground and the castle walls as your reference points. But once you notice, you can't not notice it. I'm going to pay attention next time. I don't get I, out much, clearly. Wow. So, so. Well, actually, you do. You, you get out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. quite a bit. So. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, and, if you, and sometimes yeah. if, you, if you go over by the by mine train um, in not mm-hmm. everywhere, but different parts of it. Um, you can actually sometimes hear the, um, the dwarfs at work sort of picking and shoveling oh. in the mine. Yeah. It, from the queue or from, from just no, from area? outside. No, yeah, from, from outside. outside. Oh, yeah. wow. I have heard that. 
I have heard well, that. See, I think my problem is I got to not go when it's 100 degrees out. Oh, um, so that's the two so. weeks in January that you're talking about. Because <laughs> <Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. laughs> by midday, I'm just like, uh, you know, dragged. Right. <laughs> it's not so bad in December. No, I love December. No, we, yeah, there's a couple of days I, in December where it's nice too, or it's it, snowing. It is. It could be snowing. I, I will say that the the sounds of the dwarves mining would be a more recent trip, as in not as much because normally that area is filled with screaming. You know, having a great time on the mine train. <laughs> there, that's a very loud. Yeah, I mean, yeah. people just stay loud on it the whole time. So, yeah. It's harder um, to hear those. So we'll just sort of, you know, obviously the Mad Tea Party has music from Alice in Wonderland, Alice March of the Cards, me. Becky's theme song, Off With Her Heads. Uh, I'm late. Um, <laughs> but if you Even notice, you know, pay here. attention to, you know, it's another outdoor attraction. So the music does sort of drift and bleed a little bit depending on where you're standing and and how close you are and then as you get over into storybook circus um the music here has a very different feel right it's 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 carnival music it's it's very light and upbeat and whimsical and and jazzy and and you know you all know the circus theme song like you don't know what it's called but you just know that and i'm not going to sing it because i almost just sang it um as well as songs from dumbo but then even here, right, like much of the rest of Fantasyland, there's different types and genres and themes of music because as you move away from Dumbo and closer to the train station, the music change the, changes there and there is music that's themed from, you know, I've been working on the railroad to Casey Jr. to Casey Jones and Little Toot. So you can get all this circus parade and dumble music and then you walk five feet away and all of a sudden you're hearing the railroad themed music but they just blend and transition so very seamlessly there isn't there is an art and artistry to the crafting of the audio in the park and it's brilliantly brilliantly done i was just gonna yeah just to ram home your point yeah it's the blending is the artistry of it all you know because you said it's like five feet and it's a whole different a whole different feel and it it's either levels and and orchestration instrumentation is it's 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 really pure genius how this stuff is done and not noticed enough yeah don't you um, wonder about the people that have that job because I've wondered oh, that a thousand times. Oh, I would love to be in the half the time. I would love to be in a room where some of this stuff is like, you know, well, that's how they do it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, not 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 so much Magic Kingdom, but in in the future, yeah, and the but, other parks, the people that that get to find that music and oh. don't yeah. even get me started on Tokyo okay. Disney Sea because we'll be here oh. all night. Don't even. Oh. But I, and I I just want to. I want to just quickly go back to just just tying Fantasyland up in, in a little bit of a of a of a bow because we're talking about as we transition from land to land the different styles and genres of music and Fantasyland is sort of a microcosm of that because there are multiple styles at play here right from that 
Bavarian village German music, you know, with with horns and and woods to storybook circus and the carousel and and the tangled restroom area and then the outskirts, and the French country right, and right to so the, the French countryside <laughs> of of Enchanted Tales with Belle. Um, they use a wide variety of instruments and styles in this really sort of long corridor that is Fantasyland. And and I say that because like everything we're talking about, like the next time I want you, the next time I go, I want you to try and be hyper aware of it as you're even just walking through, not from land to land, but even just this, this single land itself. It, it, yeah. Yes, we will do. We will do that, <laughs> Mr. Lou. <laughs> All right, let's. We are coming We're full circle. We're past Mad Tea Party, and here we come tomorrow, <laughs> I am running past Mad Tea Party because I just well, I want to just get on the people mover so very much. <laughs> but look, I think that an argument can be made, and I'm sure there are some people that feel probably pretty strongly that Tomorrowland has one of the strongest overall musical presences in the park from the background music which has gone through a number of different transitions over the years to the attraction specific music as well I think the Tomorrowland background music um, which has changed a number of times probably really three times in terms of, of, of major changes and, and styles of music. The, the 72 to around 94 loop um, was very 70s. It, it felt very, very strongly 70s. And then there was the 94 loop to today. And there was a couple of other minor transitions here going from this um, more... I don't even know sort of how to describe the very 70s feel to a much more um, uh, mid-90s vision of what the future would be. So there's almost less melody here to try and give this idea that not all the music may have come from this planet alone. But what I do like about it, and if you sort of sit there and listen, so go to Rocket Tower Plaza, get yourself a little nosh, and just close your eyes and listen because the Tomorrowland background loop, I think it almost feels like one long song because of just how seamlessly one blends into another. You almost It's hard to distinguish where one finishes and one ends. And yes, there's a little bit of IP in there because Strange Things was in Toy Story, the, the Randy Newman mm-hmm. song, and there's an instrumental version that was added when Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger Spin came to be. But just speaking of the the background music itself and that, that sort of sci-fi vibe, futuristic feel that it has to it, uh, there's something... There's something very soothing about it, which almost sounds contradictory to this sort of futuristic, but the artist uh, whose work I only know from here, his name is Dan Foliart, did a lot of the new Tomorrowland music, which was from 2000, around 2003 or so until relatively recently. And again, it's got even the 
the titles are sort of very futuristic. It's the moons of Saturn, which is actually, actually moons of Saturn, I take that back, is from Miracles from Molecules, which is a Sherman Brothers song, which was rearranged by Foley Art. But there's Ghosts of Venus, Liquid Space, Space Kitchen, uh, Dance of the Molecules, Planetary Motion. So these are all new songs that follow a certain arrangement, while other songs like Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, Strange Things, and uh, Seize the Future, uh, as well as a song from If You Had Wings, was rearranged, the Buddy Baker song was rearranged to fit in to this same style. And I think what it does too, if you really pay attention, and where I said sitting at Rocket Tower Plaza is a great opportunity to hear this, the sounds of Tomorrowland, and I don't mean the music, I mean the sounds of the jets and sort of that that air pressure releasing as, I was going to call them star jets, as Astro Orbiter comes down, the Tomorrowland Transit Authority going overhead, those sounds of those mechanical type sounds really blend into the soundtrack very well. And I have to assume it was very intentional and Dan Foley Art and whoever sort of brought it together, the, the sounds of the land do not contradict the sounds from the music, much like they don't in fantasy land, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Okay. It um, all works together. I still miss the uh, 94 to 99 editions of the song. The, those are the ones we listen to around here. But Everybody sort of has their favorites, right? The, 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 you know, those who I, know I mean, the Tomorrowland BGM have, have their favorites. Yeah. I love what they have now. I just loved that mid to late 90s mm-hmm. groove very, very much. You can buy a lot of that stuff. For me, Tomorrowland music has sort of the same problem as Tomorrowland the land is, right? Like it becomes dated. It used to become dated fast. Let me say that, right? So in the 70s, if you wanted to use, if you wanted music to sound futuristic, you used good old analog synthesizers. Um, was it La- the, the Moog synthesizers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it. Yeah, you know, Moog was Moog was certainly the most popular one. Um, but yeah, you know, the stuff like um, turned on Bach, used, you know, that that mm. sort of stuff. So, so the Mo the synthesizer, quote unquote, was the the future sounding, and a lot of the music um, from that became synonymous with the future or Tomorrowland, but, but as, as technology, you know, develops the, the, the synthesizers, much like vinyl albums went to digital CDs, you went from analog synthesizers to digital sound, which sound different and then can be manipulated even different. And I think that's where some of the, the, the diff, you know, why things change, Lou. I think that's, you know, why it sounds, you know, they're able to do more with it because it's more digital and it can create sounds and all that kind of stuff versus the, how the inner workings of an old analog synth used to work. Um, for me, the, the the music in Tomorrowland, especially the backgrounds, I mean, there's only, 
there's only really two when we get to talk about two and a half um, songs or, or, or attraction things that really stand out for me. But Tomorrowland of all the lands still is one of these where the background music and I don't I don't really have a favorite of, you know, which which background loop is my favorite or it, it all serves that purpose of I'm in Tomorrowland now. Um, it, it all serves that sort of purpose. So I don't have a, a clear winner or favorite as far as that's concerned. I just think Tomorrowland always has that problem of what what that music of tomorrow will, will, will ever sound like. And I, I anticipate it much like they swap in um, attractions or, or, or paint you know, or how the paint is different or signs are different. I think they're always going to have that sort of thing. But if they ever touch carousel of progress, then we're going to have to go. <laughs> then we're going to deal. Um, so, but anyways. Well, and I think um, tomorrow, you know, for, for songs that are, for the most part, you know, let's leave Frontierland out of, of an even Main Street USA. But for, for background songs that normally are not necessarily recognizable. I think, Terry, to your point, I think that you are not the only person that has this affinity towards the, that that very new agey feel and sort of atmospheric sense that the 90s songs gave you. Like, I think a lot of people know the song behind the waterfall and, and bubble shuffle because... They are familiar, and we've seen them on our iPads or iPhones or MP3 players, whatever it is, how that you do it. And, and we've also heard some of these songs play other places, too. So you've also heard some of those songs play in Epcot um, by Wonders of Life and, and by yeah. Fountain View as well because they fit, right? They, they fit not just in Tomorrowland, but they fit over there as well. And I think that's why so many people miss those when they switch to what the current um, uh, the current background music yeah, sounds like. Um, but I also think, you know, if, if we start to sort of not look at the the backgrounds, but the attractions themselves, you know, you say, oh, well, obviously there's songs from, from Toy Story or, you know, whatever. I think that some of the, the best music uh, is actually in Space Mountain. Uh, I think yeah. Space Mountain... Yeah. And I'm not just, look, if you're ever having a bad day, you just find that star tunnel music and put it on yep. and all the troubles yep. in the world just fall by the wayside. Yep. Away. Yep. Yep. Very yep. true. I, I do feel like we, we kind of got ripped to the Space Mountain in Disneyland. <laughs> has i don't know if it's still there had that really really great score by um dick dale and i wished so much that we could get that i i tried to uh make it work by pushing start as soon as we went off and i had <laughs> i had earbuds and i was like i can do this i'm gonna make this dick dale work because it is exactly the length of our space mountain so <laughs> I thought maybe it would, but it just wasn't the experience I hoped it would be. <laughs> so. And you can um, and you can find a lot of the Tomorrowland area music um, on as would a lot of these things. Um, yeah. You can find a lot of these uh, again. You know, names like Bruce Mitchell, 
David Lance, Peter Buffett, Vangelis. Um, Vangelis. Yeah, right. Larry Carlton um, did both Andreas Bubble Shuffle. Andreas Wallenweider. Yeah, I mean, again, <laughs> household names, right? But, uh, <laughs> but, but they can... They can be found, um, and and you can hear them not just as you walk through Tomorrowland, but as you ride on the TTA, um, which is one of my you know favorite ways and places to enjoy it. Um, but I, I do. I think you know if if you have to sort of sit down and and put on a background music loop from anywhere in Magic Kingdom, you know if you if you don't want sort of the the tried and true IP based Fantasyland songs, the Tomorrowland background loop, um, whatever sort of period fits for you, whether it's, you know, the Moog synthesizers of the seventies the and eighties, whether it's the new age of the nineties or what the, the current version is with a lot of the Dan Foley art music. Um, they're all, I think they're all really, really wonderful. I mean, the 70s one feels like the 70s, but the other two, um, I think, are really, really well done. And some of my favorite music, my favorite background music anywhere in the parks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I could see why. I could see why. Again, there's just, I mean, it's we're, we're like broken records tonight, but again, it's, it's the execution of what music does to a park, a land, an attraction is, is well done. You know, again, it's just perfect. Um, um, do we talk about uh, attractions yet or no? <laughs> Go ahead, man. How about it? Yeah. Well, you talk about attractions before we leave. Uh, you're hungry, aren't you, Lou? I wanting a burger, maybe? I'm thinking. <laughs> Are you saying. talking about our good friend, Sunny Eclipse? I might be. <laughs> Come on, yeah, sing take it away. Go star. ahead. Sing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, planetary boogie, man. You got to have some planetary boogie, man. Uh, yeah, he's, he, Sonny is such a great little hidden gem, isn't it? It really is. Um, I, I, oh, my God. I can't remember the gentleman's name. You've had him on the show. I have. Right, right. Um, yeah, and um, it was really cool. Oh, really? Yeah, he had him on a Cal David. Show. I had Cal David back on yeah, show yeah. 238. I interviewed Cal he tells David. some great stories about recording um, how the whole attraction came in, him recording. If I'm not mistaken, he's he either co-wrote or wrote most of Sonny's stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really good stuff. Uh, as much as I love myself some Sunny Eclipse, I have to, have to, I, I mentioned it earlier, if they ever mess with carousel progress i'm going to be out there picking um <laughs> there is nothing like a great big beautiful tomorrow i think mean, you know give me some uh, you know this could be this could be we'll have to see this could be the, the the top one for me for the park um i just love how the song changes from error to error uh, i just uh, it's um you know terry if we're ever in the room together <laughs> we're gonna be loud and proud oh we're gonna be loud and I'm there. I my will wife, sing it with you. Yeah, uh, we get my wife and I get some looks from people when we when we tra- when we're traveling from one one scene to the next. But I just think it's. Uh, I mean, obviously, being a, a, a you know after listening to 600 episodes of the WDW radio show Sorry. and learning what I've learned, you know the song of you know how the song was built for GE and. It takes in so much more memory. It's, you know, Walt and the Sherman Brothers. But I just don't know if there's 
it's just a really great it's a fun couple do not fall asleep i hate people to say that go in there for the air conditioning and fall asleep stop it uh, anyways uh, i love me carousel progress it's it is uh in in my um in my tomorrowland it's my top one so so you want me to be controversial and talk about how you love now is the time well <laughs> now listen, i don't best. think it's controversial because it's you know basically this is a love letter to buddy x and the sherman brothers um I love now is the time, I think, because of, of when I heard it, right? Look, I, I said at the top of this that a lot of the love and the feels that we have for this are, are, are grounded in, you know, nostalgia and, and memories. Yeah. And, and now is the time. Now is the best time. Uh, when when that song was introduced into the attraction around 19, um, uh, gosh, I'm trying to think, maybe 84. Three, whatever it was in the early 80s it, it, you know GE wanted guests not to be thinking about what was coming tomorrow they wanted them to buy washers and dryers today so now yeah. is the time now is the best now time the to best do time, it yeah. um, and there was and, and there was something and I know maybe it was not a favorite of the Sherman Brothers but I think because I remember being in Tomorrowland with my dad and, and you know being with my mom and my brother um there was something that sort of just stuck with it. I look. I still love "Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow." I'm not going to sing either one of them here, but I do sing, you know, while I'm in the car or by myself. So, um, like you, um, and hmm. I think like a lot of people, we you hope have that, to catch him. Hmm. No, you don't want to. Trust me, hmm. you don't want to. And you can hear those in the Tomorrowland loops um, as well. But I, you know what? I as long as we're talking about attractions, I have to give a little bit of love to. It's not current, but as long as we're about to be, again, it's it's you know 1975 Lou Mangiello. Um, I remember riding Space Mountain with my dad when they used to have the seats where you sort of sat like I sat like basically like in between my dad's legs, and I remember giving him a fat lip because I threw my head back in it, whatever. But I remember, and when it opened in in 75, it was sponsored by RCA, and as you entered the attraction, you heard an instrumental version of the theme song which was here's to the future and you saw the rca what was the name of the rca dog, oh, the dog. mascot oh. Oh, i will give you a free that. audio guide <laughs> oh nipper. his name was nipper it what? was nipper what? it was nipper oh nipper was the rca dog and he was in this like UFO that had the big sort of gramophone and it said RCA yeah. welcomes you but the song was Here's to the Future and it was Here's to the Future and you I want to sing it but I can't I'll sing it when we're done is that the but, one that goes da 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 that's I it I know exactly what you're that's talking about Here's to the Future Here's to the Future Here's to the Future that, it's a world full of color of perfect harmony a world full of music a living too. melody RCA leads the way RCA. I'm doing, it, I'm doing it in my very jazzy 75. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I do not remember RCA leads the way. I did. Um, and then they That's actually. My two all beef patties. When RCA left, they actually <laughs> tweaked it a little bit and took RCA out of it. Um, okay. For that little bit of time. But yeah, here's to the future um, from from the, the mid to late 70s was, was still one of my favorites. Not there anymore, but I dig. And clearly we're not through because... (laughs) 
We haven't been to a parade or seen fireworks, so just need to mention that right now. Go ahead. I, I actually did not include parades or fireworks. Oh, I know. There's I know. a reason why oh. I have to include the fireworks. Other than it's a small world, it seems that this is a very unpopular opinion because everybody loves wishes. And it was a great show. But, but I was there the opening night of Happily Ever After, and that song, the words, the tune, everything resounded with me. I was like, oh. and he says, and you can have your Happily Ever After. I was like, oh my gosh. Anyway, I, Happily Ever After is my favorite fireworks. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sorry. In the Magic Kingdom. Thanks. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Sure, we understand what I'm saying there. Okay. Yes. You might have a different opinion once we go to another park, I think. Yeah, I'm maybe. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I might be with you on that. Um, parades and fireworks. Well, I mean, we have to talk about the big grill in the room in Main Street Electrical Parade. I mean, how do you not talk about about um but this will be unpopular opinion number ninety nine. I like it. But for me, Spectral Magic was musically so much better for me. Um, but I mean, you know, here we are talking about, you know, <laughs> you know, they're both really, really good. You know, at this point, we're talking preferences. Um, I, I don't know if it was, I don't know why I, I preferred, and that's how I'm going to say I preferred. I'm not going to say Main Street Electrical Parade when they brought it back. There's a sense of nostalgia that I, I do like. Um, do like it, um, but getting to know of uh, researching the show, I always thought that Baroque Hoedown was written for the parade. It wasn't, right, Lou? Right. From what I understand, right. it was um, adapted for the parade. Correct. Which I did not know. Which is yeah, because reason. it was actually it was a song that was from um, let me see like the mid sixties. Yeah, sixty um, seven. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was from. Uh, Created in 67 by early synthesizer pioneers, and I'm gonna, uh, he was French, Jean <laughs> and Gershwin Kinsley. And it was on an album called Kaleidoscopic Vibrations Electric Pop Music from the Way Out. God, it doesn't scream 90 or, or 70s. Wait. Kaleidoscopic <laughs> Vibrations, electronic pop music from, pop music way, from out. way out in 19. <laughs> wow, that that if Tell that does scream. Yeah, yeah huh? um, but for me, Spectro Magic. Now, do you know? Oh, do you know? Of course, you know. Who wrote uh, the main thing for Spectro Magic, Lou? I no do. Typing. But do you know Terry Sinzendorti <laughs> who wrote Spectro Magic? <laughs> I would have to cheat on here and, and uh, <laughs> try to get it back to Spectro Magic Medley. Oh, David Benoit? No, David Benoit is a jazz piano player who covered the song for, uh, the, for that thing. So. Darn too. So I got it from, okay. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> I have that CD too. Ty, Lou is typing way too fast. Tave Roshoni, okay. have at it. Who uh, wrote it? Uh, John uh, Demney. Debney. He is a very oh, famous uh, film composer. He did little-known f- um, films like Hocus Pocus, Elf, Iron Man, <gasps> um, Iron Man 2, excuse me, and the live-action Jungle Book. Yeah, I guess he kind of likes working with that John guy. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, I was uh, I was very like, oh, well, that guy's, that guy's got some chops. 
which is probably another reason why I, I, the needle is towards uh, spectral magic for me. But Terry, I'm kind of with you heavily ever. I love wishes. You I love me. I love me some wishes. But there's something about heavily, uh, happily ever. Yes, and it was just about it. so amazing. Like and, that first time I saw. I see that nostalgia it, for me is the first time I saw it. I relive that every time I see it. I think it, it might be because then again, for me, it's how the arrangements are, are are put together. You know, you're taking classic Disney songs and and putting them together this way. Uh, I don't know when we get into the whole Hunchback thing. I, I, you know, I, I start losing it. It's, it's so good. Now that we took the show over from Lou. No, I know. Listen, <laughs> Sorry, Lou. Without getting into, you know, look, you got to remember something. Everything at Disney is somebody's favorite. Right. 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 Everything is somebody's favorite. So there, there's never a right or wrong answer. Look, I, I love um, Main Street Electrical Parade again, but for nostalgic reasons, you know, the I remember that music. Um, there's something about seeing that that giant Elliot, and and I love how it continues to come back, especially even hearing Baroque Hoedown and in things like Light Magic and Paint the Night and Remember Dreams Come True as as you know paying homage to the uh, electrical parade. But uh, I think you know. I think what this shows, right, is how passionate we all are about different pieces of music throughout this single park for a lot of different reasons. And I think it's also interesting to see how, as we go through and sort of examine both not just the theme music, but the the, the background music and the transition, some of which, you know, are maybe hopefully they might have been unnoticeable to you before, but maybe we point them out to you now, um, just how impactful the music is. If I had to ask you your top three, what do you think the top if we had to sort of come with it with the definitive list of the top three attraction songs in Magic Kingdom, what do you think your three would be? You don't have to even put them in order if you don't want. Go ahead. Okay, but you're saying attraction. Does that mean that that eliminate the fireworks? No, put it whatever you want. It? The top three songs. Top three songs in Magic Kingdom. Go. You got five seconds. Oh, oh, it's going to be me first. Uh-huh. Okay, it is going to be um, all the guys that turned me on, turned me down at number three, and it's going to be uh, happily ever after at number two, and it's going to be it's a small world at number one. And that I may go back and forth with the happily ever after small world thing. So there, I did it. David Shoney, David Shoney, Alex, uh, number one. Um, um, oh my God, <laughs> great big beautiful tomorrow. Uh, number two would be uh, Grim Grimming Goats, and number three, who you know, everybody else. Number three, uh, probably. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a. I don't have a anything that Dapper Dan. The flittering. Well, I was gonna. I'm actually back in uh, anything that Dapper Dan's do. Okay. Yeah, you know. So. So. Say you, Mangello. <laughs> I mean, look, you know, it, it almost would feel sacrilegious if you don't put Small World on the list. Like, you sort of almost have to put Small World list. I'm also going to give you a, I'm going to cheat a little bit and give you a blast oh. from the past. The theme song to If You Had Wings. 
If you had me, we had it's a me, Buddy Baker. Me. This guy. Oh, man. And, you know, gosh, I want to put. I'm going to cheat. I don't care. It's, oh, I'm wait put a minute. Both well, we know you are. I know. I'm cheating. Both songs from Carousel of Progress at 1A and at number one, Grim Grinning Ghosts. I will add, it's a small world. See? Now I I, I, I guilted you. <laughs> guilted you. No, into... no, I actually I actually forgot as I was scrolling up the list. So. <laughs> and look, you know, part of the reason why doing this is is certainly for fun. It's maybe to make you more aware and even turn you on to songs that might you might not have thought of before. In the past, you've been able to find a lot of these on a variety of different um, CDs. Kids, you can Google what that is. Um, there was the <laughs> yeah, yeah. official albums like Where Magic Lives and Four yeah. Parks, One World and a few of the other ones. Um, at one point, you used to be able to do CDs on demand um, on Main Street USA. Now you can find oh, yeah. a lot of these on, on both Spotify and certainly a lot of the background loops you can find on the YouTube. Um, you know, and, and maybe for another time, you know, we'll talk. Maybe I'll, I'll do a top 10 places to stop and listen in magic kingdom because i think there are occasion where you can just stop and and not just smell the roses and eat the dole whip but stop and listen to some of these background songs and it it, i'm telling you it, it might sound silly to you or a waste of your time but they really are in many cases attractions in and of themselves uh i cannot Thank the two of you guys enough for spending the time in in on this virtual tour of Magic Kingdom with me. Um, again, I, the, the music is just so critical to the story, the storytelling, and the emotion. And it's why we go. It's why we go back. It's why we continue to love and talk about and revisit these parks, especially Magic Kingdom over and over and over again. Um, again, thank you guys so very much. David Shoney and Terry Simpson Doherty in reverse order, ladies first. Uh, if people want to connect with you on the internets, where can they find you? Um, I am Terry Stincy Stints. Wow, I can't say my last name. Um, <laughs> I'll write that down. Name, I'll, no problem. I'll put your name in the show notes so you can just not talk about it. Um, and I do have a page, uh, Our Magic Journeys um, on Facebook. It's our.magic.journeys. <laughs> so it's pretty easy to find it. If anybody's interested, they can always go ahead and visit DJ djrmusic.com um i'd like to tell everybody that right now the song that i wrote with one of our fellow listeners my good friend pete bush choose the good inspired by mr mangello is up on the website it's available as a free download and i actually would like to offer anybody who is interested in sketches uh, for a limited time if they use the code wdw radio they'll get 40 percent off this the cost of their digital download so I don't know if I was just allowed to do that, but you don't, you, you don't look angry. <laughs> no, listen, I love you. Listen, I love good people doing good things and uh, spreading and sharing. The good is as much a part of choosing and doing the good. So uh, thank you all so much for doing this. I want to know from you, our friend, the listener, what is your favorite piece of music music? In Magic Kingdom, whether it be current, extinct, attraction theme song, background music, 
area music, whatever it might be, the best way to let me know is to go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, leave it using the contact form there, or better yet, be heard on the air, call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. Tell me which one you love and why. And you know what? Sing it. Sing a few bars. And, yeah. Uh, and just have at it. Because um, as soon as I hit the stop button and, and disconnect these two guys, that's exactly what I'm going to do. If you had wings, you could do many things. You could widen your world. If you had wings, you could have wings. Time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World's history or see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, hear, taste, or remember. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via the online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Of course, before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, as we started our tour of the music of Magic Kingdom, I got to thinking not just about the movies in the parks, but some of the characters as well. And your question last week was to tell me where in Walt Disney World does or did Ariel have her own restaurant? And I even gave you a not-so-subtle hint, which may or may not have been named after her. Now, this one was a little bit trickier than you might have thought because I think a lot of people did not remember, although congratulations to those of you who did, that Ariel had a restaurant of her same name at the Beach Club from November 1990 through May 1997. Now, during that time, it started out as a very upscale seafood restaurant and then eventually moved to a location that was primarily used just for special events, weddings, etc. Now, although it was called Ariel's, it did not have Ariel or any character. There's really a, a lot of references to the movie itself. What you saw was ironwork gates that were adorned with fish, light fixtures that had tropical fish and hand-blown glass bubbles that added a, a little bit of whimsy. It had a lot of those teals and corals and muted pink colors. So it gave you a sense that you were under the sea, but Ariel, Flounder, everyone else, Ursula, nowhere to be found. So it was slightly themed, but a little bit more upscale. And then again, it was eventually used for storybook celebrations in this underwater realm, which offered the perfect blend, according to Disney, of casual elegance and fishtail fantasy. To give you a sense of where Ariel's was, technically is because the space is still there. You can still actually see it. It's located next to Martha's Vineyard in Disney's Beach Club Resort, just around the corner from Beaches and Cream. So I took all of the correct entries Randomly selected one, and again, last week you were playing for all of my digital products, my 102 ways to save money for not Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of Magic Kingdom, and a brand new item, the beautiful new cobalt blue WW Radio logo mug, which literally just came in a day or so ago. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is Victoria Mille from Piscataway, New Jersey. I grew up in Plainfield right around the corner 
Spent a lot of time in Piscataway, including but not limited to the Fontainebleau Diner, which I wonder is still there. One of the few things I miss about New Jersey are the diners. We just don't have them here in Florida. Anyway, but I digress. Victoria, you use the online form. I will get your prize package out to right away. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So in the Japan Pavilion at Epcot Center, yes, if you've ever heard the short before, you probably know it's my favorite pavilion, one of my favorite places anywhere in Walt Disney World. There is actually a gift that was given to Walt Disney World, specifically to Roy Disney personally, from the Emperor of Japan. This item was originally located at Disney's Polynesian Village Resort, but was moved here when Epcot opened. What item in the Japan Pavilion was that gift from the Emperor to Walt Disney World? I'm going to help you again, because this answer can be found in my Instagram stories from this past week. Check the trivia highlight for pictures and details. Anyway, this contest runs until Sunday, September 13th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. If you think you know the answer, you can just go to www.radio.com, click on this week's podcast, use the online form there, and you'll be entered for a chance to win. And if you dig Disney trivia, be sure to follow along on my Instagram, both on my posts and stories at instagram.com slash for daily-ish Disney trivia. We'll have some fun, hopefully learn something along the way. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. And I just want to quickly say thank you again for being here. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you. I know how valuable your time is and how limited it is. And the fact that you spend and share it with me each and every week means more than you know. I need you to know that you are important and you are special and you matter. And I, for one, am incredibly grateful to you and for you. I would love for you to come and continue to be part of the community and the conversation by joining our Facebook group at www.radio.com slash community. There you'll not only find a link to the group, but other ways that you can be part of the community as well. Speaking of community, huge thanks to everyone who is part of the WWO Nation family. I sincerely appreciate your love, support, friendship, and help. And I also love being able to give back to you and connect with you in other special ways each and every month. I want to thank some new and longtime members of the nation, including Tiki Casting, Donna Milligan, Rochelle Michael, Denise Watson, longtime friends Janet and Gary Zerilli, Austin Wraith, and Russell Dameron. Again, thank you so very much. And if you want to find out how you can not only help the show, but get exclusive rewards every month, including scavenger hunts, trivia quests. We have a private Facebook group, magic band covers, logo gear, care packages, live video group calls, and lots more. You can visit www.radio.com slash support. Don't forget, it is completely optional. Very much appreciated. Starts as little as a dollar a month and a portion of, the, of your contributions do go to the Dream Team Project to benefit our, the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. And as the show is always by, for, with, and about you, I'd love to hear from you. If you have a question you want me to answer on the air, air you can email me, lou at www.radio.com, or call the voicemail be heard on the air at 407-900-9391. It's 407-900-WW1 with a question, a comment, a review, or just a hello from the parks. Please visit loumangelo.com to find out how I could maybe help you turn what you love into what you do with one-on-one mentoring 
being part of our small weekly mastermind group, speaking and events. You can learn more by visiting the all-new LouMangelo.com. Speaking of all-new websites, by the way, if you haven't checked out the brand spanking new www.radio.com, please go give it a spin. It has been completely rebuilt from the ground up. It is faster, it is easier to navigate, and there's a lot more content for you to find on the new site. And if you dig it, and I hope that you do, please do me a favor, tell a friend. Speaking of telling a friend, all I ask from you, my friend, and we are friends, whether we have met yet or not, is to please help spread the word, tell a friend, tweet out that you're listening, share a link and tag me over on Facebook or Instagram. And if you can, just take a couple of seconds to rate and review the show over on Apple Podcasts. It is incredibly helpful, very much appreciated. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Jennifer P. from Australia, who says it's a terrific podcast, fun and informative. I won't even bother trying to do an Australian accent. It's a must for first-time travelers to Walt Disney World or to relive the magic with Lou and his guests. Luis Carlos Pantoja Filho from Brazil says it's the best podcast about Walt Disney World. Thank you, Lou, for everything you do for the Disney community. And Angelo16 says it's the best podcast. I've been listening to Lou for years. I've enjoyed every single episode he's put out. The live reviews are my only ones I skip because they make me too hungry. Every episode is informative and extremely enjoyable to listen to. I've actually gone back to episode one, making my way forward listening to each Even the earlier episodes are full of interesting conversations, interviews, and lists that any Disney fan will love to listen to. Angelo, Louise, and Jennifer, thank you so very much again. Just search for WW Radio in Apple Podcasts, or if you go to www.radio.com slash iTunes, it'll give you a direct link and instructions on how to do it. Quick thanks, as always, to my partners, more importantly, my friends over at MEI and Mouse Fan Travel. Whether you're planning a trip, have questions about booking an upcoming trip to world, land, cruise, adventures by Disney. Becky and her team of agents are there to help you all at no cost. You can visit them at, at mousefantravel.com. Finally, most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love and appreciate you so, so very much. I hope that this show brings you a little bit of joy. I hope it makes your day a little bit happier, maybe even inspires you to be better, to choose the good, to be the good and do good for others as well. And I hope that this truly is your best week ever. If there's some way that I can help you, thank you in any way, please don't ever hesitate to reach out and let me know. I hope to see you in real life in the parks again soon. So until next time, thank you. I love you. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is Jeff Richardson, your number one fan in Brookhaven, Mississippi. I just want to let you know I've kind of completed a milestone. I started in April of 2018 listening to your broadcast, and I would listen to the newest ones and then go back to the to the older ones. I've now completed all 601 in that short two-and-a-half-year time. Just wanted to say how WDW Radio has changed me. All my yard work and all my running have been dominated by the podcast in my ears. I watched a lot of movies I never planned on watching. I've read a lot of books I never knew about. Got to meet Lou in January of 19 because of his big heart and a lot of things that were going on in my family. That was a wonderful surprise. I spend my trips looking around the, the uh, parks and saying, Lou said this and Lou said that. I joined the WDW radio running team with my daughter, and we ran the half marathon in 2020. I often change my Disney uh, dining reservations because I listen to a live dining review with Lou and Deanna and Marion and Nicholas. And, um, you know, I'll have a lot of other things that I just don't even have time to mention, but 
I love Disney, and I especially, uh, you know, it's made it better that I love WDW Radio so much. So thanks, Lou, for just making my life better and adding a little bit of a lot of positivity and joy into my daily life. Keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks. Hi, Lou. It's Stephen Conti calling from Massachusetts. I wanted to call and congratulate you on 600 shows. Uh, I tried calling in on the Wednesday Facebook Live show, but I couldn't get through, which was great. It was so nice to hear so many people call in and congratulate you. Uh, But I wanted to call and thank you for the hours upon hours of entertainment and enjoyment and education you have brought all of us over the years. Uh, obviously, we're all big fans of Disney, and thank you so much for bringing that into our lives when we can't get down there as often as we'd like to. Um, and I also wanted to thank you for all of your inspiration. Um, I was an attendee at Momentum 2017, which is coming up on uh, three years ago, and uh, that event continues to be to this day a top 10 experience for me in my life. Uh, It impacted me profoundly, both personally and professionally, and it's something that I reflect back on all the time as a parent and as a uh, business person, and I thank you so much for all that. So anyhow, hopefully uh, everything is good with you and your family during this challenging time, and uh, I look forward to hearing Another 600. Thanks so much, buddy. Take care. Bye. Hi, Lou. Alan Cole here. Headed south out of Maryland toward our own Florida project in Winter Garden. Congratulations, Lou, on 600, and thank you on so many levels. Thanks to Kenneth and Lisa and all the families who shared your insights in 532 and 33, which, along with a couple of trips to the park to visit Tinkerbell two years ago, became our catalyst to turn our lifelong loves of all things Disney into a move to Walt Disney World. Thanks, Kenneth, for joining us for supper at Hollywood and Vine. You've become one of our early connections to Walt Disney World. And Lou, don't worry. My saintly wife, Amy, who agreed to give up her entire comfort zone in response to my incessant whining about finding my happy place, will probably have forgiven you for 5.32 and 3 by the time we meet. So, to all of our new friends and our future friends, have a magical weekend. We'll see you real soon. Hey, Lou. It's Christine Morrison again from Flower Town, PA. I'm just finishing up listening to show 600, and we wanted us to know to let you know what our favorite episodes were. So... My favorite episode is my very first episode that I ever listened to. I was laying out in the sun at the pool because we had joined the pool club that summer. And it was you guys recapping and going over your first day ever in Pandora and going on your very first ride on Flight of Passage. And we had our big family trip set for the summer of 2017, and after I listened to that podcast, my mouth was, like, hanging open because you guys are so good at describing without giving anything away, and it made me so excited 
to go and get on that ride and keep listening to the podcast. I don't know if you guys remember what show number that was, but I believe it was the summer of 2016 or June of 2017. I forget. Anyway, that was my most memorable because it was my first. And I remember very vividly, like, hanging on every word that was coming out of you guys' mouth. So that's it. That's all I have to say. I could go on forever, but I'm not going to. Have a good day, guys. Bye. Hello, Lou Mangello. It's Darlene Nagy, formerly of West Seneca, New York. And I am calling in to say that we are now in the month of September, and we have Labor Day coming up. And things are hopefully going to get better soon. And just think about it. You've got, let's see, September, October, November, December, January, four more months until that Marvel cruise. Woohoo! Can't wait to see the pictures from that. I love Marvel, Marvel, and my nephew, Georgie, is now into Marvel characters. We actually watched the Spider-Man under the Marvel app on Disney Plus. So that was great. My niece even liked watching it. So Sasha enjoyed it as well when I was just there seeing them. Now, then, you got March for that trip overseas. I cannot wait to see that. That is going to be absolutely amazing. I wish I could go, but I can't. So I'm going to live vicariously, like I always do, through everyone in our community. I love the WDW radio family and box people and community. Thank you for everything you do. Stay safe, wear a mask, socially distance. Have a magical day.